The Start Your Own Business Podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hello, I'm Chloe Thomas, your host, and in this episode, we're looking at the pros and cons of going into business with a family member and finding out how to protect your relationships and make a success out of it if you do. Our expert is Fiona Graham of the Institute of Family Business, a not-for-profit membership organisation founded in 2001 that supports and champions family businesses in the UK. Much of the advice she gives could also help you if you're thinking of going into business with a colleague or friend. We are covering a lot of bits and pieces in this episode. It's a kind of a massive tick list of things to think about before you get too deep into the business itself, all about preempting possible problems in the future by agreeing things up front. So we'll be talking about how to organise your roles, your shareholding, remuneration, perks, packages, workloads, all this kind of stuff. Fiona will also be sharing some tips on how to do this cheaply so it doesn't use up too much of your startup budget. And we'll be starting off waxing lyrical about how brilliant family businesses are because it's a really, really clever way to go about starting a business. Before we meet our guest, though, do find out about the show's sponsors, Dell Technologies, and how their technology solutions could help your business to become more productive, efficient, secure and successful. This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with Dell Technologies. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donut with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell for Startups provides key solutions to help set up your startup for success, including exclusive member pricing and a dedicated technology advisor who will get to know the needs and goals of your business. Advisors will deliver customised, scalable solutions for rapid tech enablement with top business class PCs and accessories. Join now for valuable resources that will help your business get growing. Visit dell.com forward slash UK startups to join today. It's time to meet our startup expert, Fiona Graham. Hello, Fiona. Hi, Chloe. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. How popular are family businesses? I think often when people think about family business, they have this view of it being something of the past and that used to exist and that somehow now everything is kind of these big corporates, not a nation of family businesses anymore. Actually, new research by our colleagues at the IFE Research Foundation a couple of weeks ago showed that there are about 5 million family businesses in the UK. They employ about 14 million people. And the majority of those businesses are micro and small businesses, although about half of mid-sized businesses are family firms as well. And actually, we have seen the numbers increase over the past 10 years. It's still a really important part of our economic makeup, but also our social makeup as a country. And it's still something that really appeals to people, the idea of starting a business with your family or for entrepreneurs who have started up a business, then kind of keeping that legacy within the family. Wow. So still a hugely popular way to start a business, which I guess means if we're starting one, we should be going in 
knowing all the things that might go wrong and might go right. What are the key, let's do the right stuff first. What are the key advantages of a family business? Is it a better way to start? Is there, are they more successful or? Well, one of the definite strengths of the model is that they are very resilient. And we've seen that throughout the pandemic. And we've seen that through, through the decades that many of these businesses or centuries that many of these businesses have been operating. I think the reason it's still so popular for people who are starting up a business is that people particularly now want to work in a business that has a sense of purpose that's beyond just profit. It's about what are you building that you're proud of? What are you building that's connected to your local community? How do you maintain a high level of service that's really kind of appreciated and understood by your customers? And doing that in a family business with the people you're closest to in the world, your family members, is incredibly powerful, inspiring and encouraging as well. Because any of your listeners who have already started up their business or are just thinking about it know that it's a lot of hard work. But doing that with people who you have this shared sense of purpose with and you really have a high level of trust knowing we are in this together we know why we've done this can be hugely rewarding. It is a fascinating part of business and it's one which weirdly doesn't seem to get talked about that much, which I guess is why we're covering it today. And I, I love how you're waxing lyrical about the strengths and the greatness of a family business, partly because everyone listening, we are going to spend the most of the rest of this episode talking about the things that can go wrong and how to avoid them because simply waxing lyrical about it is not going to help you as much as getting into the disadvantages. But do bear in mind, they are a great way to start a business. So don't be put off with what's coming up. Just learn from it. So the main disadvantages of, of this business model, Fiona, where do you see those early stage family businesses getting things wrong? We are going to talk about disadvantages, but there are a huge number of advantages and I definitely wouldn't be put off by some of the things we're going to talk about. I think the reality is all businesses are heavily reliant on people and personalities. And I think in family business, those relationships are heightened, particularly as you start up and as you're a smaller business, the individuals involved have such an important role in it. And if there's a breakdown in the communication, then that's a real challenge. So I think one of the big issues that does come up with family business is that kind of lack of communication or sometimes a lack of boundaries within the communication that makes sense. Sometimes when you work together as a family, family side of things, obviously then, you know, you're sitting down for Sunday lunch and somebody will say, oh, but did you read that email? Oh, did you do this thing? And suddenly that kind of starts to become everything that you talk about can be the business. And I think as a family business, you really need to learn to draw some boundaries. When are you a family that is in business together and when are you just a family and how do you make sure that any disagreements you're having at work about the direction that you're taking the normal kind of disagreements you might have with your colleagues or your co-founders how do you ensure that that doesn't kind of drown out the love that you have as a family and the reason that you were doing this in the first place together I think that it's really important that you do have those boundaries make sure that there's still a space for fun if you want to have discussions about the business over Sunday lunch, great. But make sure it isn't the only thing you ever talk about. Make sure you still have a space to be having fun together. People who have startups know it can be all-consuming. There can also be that kind of confusion having a conversation with a parent because we all have kind of relationships with our families. Our long history of them means we interpret things in a certain way. 
really important to understand which hat you're wearing when you're having any conversation. Is this a marketing director conversation or is this a father-son conversation? That's really important. I think in a small startup family business, when you start to bring non-family people in to fill some of the roles as the business grows, you also really need to be clear on those boundaries and those hats so that the people who are not in the family are given an equal hearing, are given the same opportunities to raise any challenges, but also understand what the kind of structure around decision making is as well. Because otherwise they kind of think, okay, we had a meeting on the Tuesday, we all agreed to something. Then the family had lunch on Sunday and they came back on Monday and everything was different. And that's not particularly helpful for the non-family people who you want to stay with you and help you grow. Understanding those boundaries and the role that you're playing any one time is really important. Yeah, such a huge part of it. And getting those those understood at the beginning, it just is a very fast track way to solving a lot of problems further down the line. Do you ever find that there's issues with how you fund the business? Maybe on day one, family members are going, yeah, we'll put in this and this, nothing gets written down. And then it ends up being a bit complicated later on based on who thinks they deserve what because of the initial investment or the initial effort that was put in. I think the important thing to remember in this situation is regardless of whether you're setting up a business with family members or non-family members, you have to have everything kind of structured and written down because you have a high level of trust with your family, but that doesn't mean that you can ignore some of the legalities and actually putting this down on paper. And that's really important across a whole range of things actually within the family business to make sure that you're heading off challenges before they occur. Get things written down so that everyone understands the rules of the game. One of the things that people don't often think about, but it is really important for preventing some future challenges, is what's the role of family members who aren't in the business and what are the rules for them potentially joining the business. So say you are parents with three or four children. If one or two of those children are in the business, then often you'll write things with mind of, okay, this is how it works because these kids are involved. And that's great. But if the other two aren't currently involved, but actually see how things are developing, become passionate about the business, see your enthusiasm for it, learn to really love it and want to get involved, and understanding, okay, well, what are the rules for them getting some kind of role in this business? Are they going to be owners? If they wanted to join and work in the business, what would they have to do? What are the rules of engagement coming into the family business? And similarly, what if they don't want to be involved, but maybe their children at some point want to be involved? Is there a way in for them? And I think it can feel like a lot of work up front to think through these various scenarios. You do that at the start. So that you are taking some of the emotion out of the situation. If you can have discussions about what would be fair, what would be the best thing for the business up front and everybody agree it, it's much easier to stick to that than it is if, for example, one of the grandchildren wants to come into the business, but you think actually they just really don't have the skills and the experience. It wouldn't be the right thing to bring them into the business. Maybe if they went off for a bit, it takes away some of the like, emotion of having that conversation if you can say well no we all agreed this was how this would work so I think that that's really important to think about the different dimensions and the different possible ways that people might want to get involved and try and set some ground rules take some of the emotion out it seems like an awful lot to do up front but 
it's it's an awful lot easier to do it when it's theoretical. When you're looking at a baby in the corner of the room, well, what would be the process if baby Joe wanted to join the business than if baby Joe's about to finish his A-levels and is banging on the door but doesn't have any of the right skill set at all? When there's less emotion involved, it's an awful lot easier. And I thought as you were, you were giving the answer, I was thinking back to your mentioning of, you know, decisions get made on Fridays and then over Sunday lunch, a different decision gets made, possibly because someone who has a lot of standing in the family, but no standing in the business has a different opinion. The thing is, families evolve over time. So your family is not the same size as it was. Your business will change either because it grows or because you you maybe move into a different industry, you develop new products. And so it is important to kind of understand that these things don't have to be set in stone, but it's important to set out with that mindset of, there is difference between being somebody who works in the business. There is difference between being somebody who owns the business and somebody who is a member of the family that also has this business. And just kind of understanding that there are different opponents at play there is really important. We've also got, within all of this, we talked share ownership and being involved. But for those involved on day one, it can be worth doing maybe a job description or something like you would for a normal employee so you're saying what's your role what are the reporting lines what does remuneration look like in terms of incentives holidays all that kind of stuff to make sure it feels fair from day one yeah it's really important to have a job description and and all that kind of normal stuff that you'd have with any other employee if you're an employee in the business whether you are family or not you should have the same list of responsibilities, all your rights, everything like that in the same way that you would with anybody else. Because also that means that if that family member leaves, you know what the job is that you're replacing somebody who isn't a family member. But also it makes it fair for the other employees, particularly in a startup where the family members are likely to be at the start, the bulk of the employees. When you bring non-family people in, they need to feel that there is a fairness the place that they're working and their commitment and their enthusiasm for your business as a startup. So you need to make sure that they understand that you are in it together. They're not an owner, but they have to feel that they are building something. And in a startup, you need their energy and their passion. And within all of that, is it worth outlining what contribution or equal contribution looks like? Because as humans, we tend to think we're in a 50-50 scenario. We're delivering 60% and the other person's only delivering 40%. And if you, you know, we've mentioned about family, you know, the joy of going into business with people you know really well, but there can be all those kind of chips on shoulders and stuff that come in historically. So it can, if you're thinking someone's not pulling their weight when they actually are, is are there ways we can iron that out before we start? I think that's kind of similar to having a job description you should have an appraisal system for if you do appraisals for your other employees you should be doing that for your family members as well I think it's important to understand the different roles and the different strengths that family members are bringing as well so for example if you are a father and a daughter and you set up a business and the father's stage in his career and now he's starting up this business with with his daughter well actually the benefit that he's bringing might be to do with his knowledge and his experience from a really long time. He might be doing less of the day-to-day practical, but he has more of an advisory role. But it's important to understand what is it that everybody's bringing. So as you map out who has which skills within the family, also helps you to understand where do we need to bring external expertise, where maybe are we not as strong as the family members, 
or where can we get training? Because I think that's also another important thing is if there are areas where family members maybe aren't as strong as you need them to be in the same way that you would with any employee, what is the training? What is the development that's available to them? And I think there's a huge amount of support out there that you should be looking at and at tapping into. So obviously with the startup donut, there's a huge amount of expertise there and advice, but also tapping into your networks of people, you know, and trying to find a community of people who understand both the business challenges that you're facing, but actually really importantly, what it's like to work with family members and what are some of the challenges you might be coming up against in the future. So if you can see them in the future, you can try and do something now to head them off or at least put structures in place that are going to help further down the line. And I think it, it, everything we're saying kind of comes into play with things like perks, like company cars and that sort of thing. Because if you've got, especially when you're in startup territory, if you've got some of some of your um, your family members are based at the central head office and others are maybe salespeople out on, on the road every day, you probably can't afford as a business to buy a company car for everybody, but obviously the salesperson deserves it because it's, they're spending most of their day, you know, their days driving around. So that's, I think, I feel like that's another area we could fall out if we haven't made it clear in advance. That's, that's the way we're going to do this. This is the policy. I guess we can come back to policies again, don't we? This is the policy for who gets a car, who gets a laptop and so forth. Yeah, and it's back to the idea of kind of understanding what hats anybody's wearing. Your salesperson, the reason they have a company car is because they are wearing their salesperson hat, not their cousin of the business hat. Whereas somebody, the finance director or whoever it is in the business, you know, they don't need that because they're at the head office every day. So it's not about favoritism between children or family members. It's about saying, no, we're a business and we run this as a business and that's a business decision and it's about that clarity of communication and just making sure that you're having those conversations you're not putting off difficult conversations if your question is well how come you know bob has a car and i don't ask the question but also listen to the answer and, and kind of process that because sometimes people put off asking the question they want the answer to because they don't still want to have an uncomfortable conversation but I think in a family business you have to get used to having uncomfortable conversations so true we've talked about getting all this organized and agreed and discussed and formalized up front some of this is maybe going oh gosh that sounds like a lot in lawyers fees do we need to go to a lawyer to do this or can we write it up ourselves and sign it ourselves. I mean, obviously if we're doing a limited company, we're gonna need shareholder agreements and that kind of stuff, but how onerous, I guess, financially and, and time-wise can this initial organizational process be? Obviously there are legal things around setting up the company and you definitely need to get that done properly. But on the family side, it's about having an honest and open conversation and then putting it down in writing between you and agreeing that. Where a third party person can come in very useful is if you don't communicate particularly well and you need somebody to translate kind of the different things that people are saying. But that tends to come up more when there has been a conflict in the family and where there is a disagreement or for things that are very, very complex further down the line. I think in these initial stages, having that conversation and agreeing some families, what they'll do is they'll have their family agreement, sign it, because they'll write it down and they'll say, this is what we believe, this is what we agree, and they'll sign it. And they'll hold each other to account on that. 
but you don't need to have expensive legal advice to deal with the family side of things around boundaries and how you're communicating. Obviously, for things like job descriptions, if you're taking HR advice to get all that stuff written up, to come up with an appraisal process, whatever that might be, then that's another thing that you might be paying for. But again, that's something that if you're going to do it that way, you're going to be paying for that for any of your employees, whether they're family or not. So guys, it doesn't have to be as expensive as you may have been thinking as we've been going through that. Lots of lots of clever ways Fiona's just shared on how to do that. Now, Fiona, we have covered a mass of stuff in this episode. What are the key three things you think the listeners should be should be taking away from this if they're in the process of starting up a family business to set themselves up for success? I think I would definitely encourage you to do it. If you have a, you know, a strong idea for a business and you have a great working relationship and a shared sense of passion, I don't think you should be put off. I think often, in fact, in the world of family business, people talk a lot about the challenges because they are there and we all have families. So we all know sometimes they can be challenging. Don't be put off by it. Absolutely don't. It's a hugely powerful thing to be part of a family business. The trust that you can build with your customers, the kinds of relationships, and it's an incredibly supportive community. Understanding how to communicate well is really, really important. And spending time on developing those communication skills will never be time that is wasted because you will use that with the family members in the business, but you will also use that in other relationships you build with suppliers and customers and with future employees as your business grows. So that is time well spent and energy well spent, I think. And have an eye to the longer term. Try and preempt any challenges you might have and think about what is it that we would want this business to become in the longer term. Do we want it to grow or do we want it to stay kind of a business where only the family members work or do we want it to expand and become well dominating? I don't know. It's not what everybody wants when they start up a business. Some people want to build a business that they and their family can work in and have a good life from. Just kind of understanding what it is you want for the longer term is really important as well, because that will influence how you make decisions about bringing in outside money. Are you you borrowing money? Are you going to sell part of the business to somebody eventually? It's going to influence the decisions that you make. An excellent summary. Thank you, Fiona. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know how they can find you and your business on the web, please? Yes. So you can find the ISB, the Institute for Family Business, at um, isb.org.uk. You can find us on Twitter at isb underscore UK. You can find me on Twitter at Fiona V. Graham. Marvellous. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you for coming on and explaining in such brilliant detail the ways in which family businesses can really set themselves up for success. It's been brilliant chatting with you. Thank you very much. So much advice there, both for those of you starting up a family business and those of you starting up a business with anyone else. An awful lot of that is relevant, whatever sort of business you're starting up. I think the key points are talk about it try and get rid of all those assumptions you might make as in you think it's going to go one way and whoever you're starting the business with thinks it's going to go another way talk them out now get written down what you agree just to make sure everyone agrees and get it signed even if it's just something you whip up in google docs or word it is going to help you in the future and give you something to come back to and then hold each other to it I'll put that as my number two, the accountability part. It's down to you to make sure what you've agreed sticks together. 
And then thirdly, really play into those those um, strengths that you each have in the business and make sure if you've got gaps in that, you are hiring the right people a little bit further down the line to take you in the right direction. We covered a lot of ground in this episode. So to help you, you can find the summary notes for this episode and links to more free resources by visiting startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. And remember that's donut spelt D-O-N-U-T. This whole series exists to help you complete key tasks and negotiate challenges when setting up and growing your new business. So next up, we'll be covering peer support groups with Jonathan O'Shea. What's that, you ask? Well, you'll have to listen to find out all the information, but basically it's a way you can get together with other business owners to help each other out with your business challenges, like a group mentoring program. We'll be discussing how they can help you, how to find the right one for you and how to get the best out of the group as well. And if you're enjoying the series, picking up valuable tips, please do spread the word to others you know who are setting up a business or thinking about it. And be sure to sign up to the Donut Weekly Newsletter for free startup news advice and special offers to help your new business succeed. And you'll find that at www.startupdonut.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Thanks to Dell Technologies for making this whole series possible. And don't forget to join the Dell for Startups program for more exclusive benefits and valuable resources. Details coming up. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donuts with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell for Startups provides key solutions to help set up your startup for success, including exclusive member pricing and a dedicated technology advisor who will get to know the needs and goals of your business. Advisors will deliver customized, scalable solutions for rapid tech enablement with top business class PCs and accessories. Join now for valuable resources that will help your business get growing. Visit dell.com forward slash UK startups to join today.